It's now time for the Rural News with Susan Murray. Tēnā Susan. The specialty milk company A2's Milk has uh, put in a strong performance. We heard a little bit about it in business earlier. Good afternoon, they certainly have. A2 has today announced its financial results and its sales have risen by more than 10% amid a challenging market. The result is attributed to strong growth in China and other parts of Asia, but next year's forecast isn't looking as positive. Sally Winley reports. The chair of A2's board says its net profit of $155.6 million comes from the success of its infant milk formula in China. However, that's not expected to continue, as fewer people in China are having babies which will affect next year's bottom line. David Hearn says despite that, other markets are expanding and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has temporarily approved importing one of its infant milk formulas. But there are more hoops to jump through to confirm a permanent supply. Sales of liquid milk as opposed to powder are increasing throughout Asia and Australia, with its lactose-free milk becoming more popular. However, market conditions are expected to be more challenging next year due to lower birth rates, the higher cost of living and ongoing international supply and demand issues due to COVID. As a result, any revenue next year is expected to be in single figures and it's not planning on paying out a dividend to its shareholders this year. The call is out to start farming cashmere goats as a just-opened lower hut processing factory has the capacity to process more of their wool. Owned by Wool Yarns, the factory will turn cashmere fleeces into fibre which is sold at top dollar offshore. New Zealand cashmere business development manager Olivia Sanders says the new processing factory is impressive. The facilities are world class really. The scour uses air and steam and a little bit of water and some detergent to clean the fibre and then it goes through a process where called de-hearing and that takes out the coarse guard hair of the of the goat's coat and separates that coarse guard hair from the lovely soft cashmere down so then that cashmere down can be spun into a high value yarn and that yarn will be going overseas predominantly at the start over to fashion brand houses that we don't really see here in New Zealand the likes of I suppose Balenciaga, Della McCartney Olivia Sanders says cashmere goats are a great investment on farms. They eat weeds, won't compete with grass, for grass with other stock, and their fleeces are extremely valuable. She says the market demand for cashmere is booming. Currently the fibre returns are between $110 and $150 a kilo, so that's obviously wonderful. However, the goat brings so much more to the farming system than just the fibre and that fibre return. We all have a story about goats and we know about goats getting into gardens, but they actually really love weeds. So goats browse differently than any other animal. They'll target weeds, the likes of thistles and gorse and briar and seed head particularly. They'll target those different species than your cattle or your sheep will. Olivia Sanders says farmers can cross wild goats with a cashmere goat to grow a good quality fleece and is encouraging farmers interested in adding goats to their paddocks to get in touch. The fishing company Sea Lord plans to produce a fish oil-based fertiliser on a commercial scale so the product moves out of the niche market. Chief Executive Doug Paulin says the company produces vast volumes of fish oil, but turning it into fertiliser is expensive, and currently those that buy it only want small amounts. He says under the government's recently released fisheries industry transformation plan, there is funding available to further develop by-products. 
so we already sell our fish oil into a, into a fertiliser-style product, but it's not commercially scalable in its current form, and it's very expensive. So we've got to find a way to uh, commercially scale it to much greater quantities and at the same time bring the price down to where it would be a viable alternative for farmers to be able to use it. Because there's always that sort of cost-benefit when you're trying to take the place of something else. Farmers might pay slightly more for something which is natural and better for the environment. It's still got to be uh, something which doesn't break the bank for them. Doug Paulin says Sea Lord will work with fertiliser companies on the project. Kiwifruit Vine Health is assuring growers the burden of dealing with rules around compliance is worth it to safeguard growing operations in the future. There are more than 80 pests and pathogens identified as threats in the kiwifruit industry and they're likely to increase as temperatures warm up in spring. While mandatory on-orchard biosecurity plans are nothing new, there's stress among growers around compliance work and associated costs. But Chief Executive Leanne Stewart says it's important to plan for the worst-case scenario. When KVH was developing the pathway management plan a couple of years ago, we were consulting with growers um, we made sure that um, we listened to feedback and um, that was centering around not having additional compliance unless it was justified. So we made sure that we built on existing systems within the industry, not creating new compliance burden for growers. Um, and we've only put rules in place where it's really important to manage risk um, to make sure that we're protecting our growers' livelihoods. And that's things like having a biosecurity plan, Um, or having traceability records. The organisation says recent numbers of brown marmorated stink bug found at the borders are continuing to decline and there were no fruit flies, but the risks are still high. It says invasive phytophthoras and Brazilian pathogen wilt pose greater risks at the moment. Leanne Stewart says keeping up with changing biosecurity risks is non-stop. There's also always the possibility that there's an unknown organism whether it's a pest or disease that comes in. So we've got a general layer of preparedness for those as well. Um, We do a lot of emerging um, risk scanning offshore too to make sure we're up to date with what's going on in other kiwi fruit producing countries and that we can be ready for anything that does come into New Zealand to impact our growers. Kiwi fruit earned $2.8 billion in exports last year. And finally, sap testing is being hailed as another tool in the crop management kite for growers preparing for spring. Often described as a blood test for the plant, sap tests can paint a picture of the plant's health by highlighting the soil's pH, root quality and mineral mobilisation. Soil Matters soil consultant Regan Bailey told growers at a Foundation for Arable Research session it can help identify deficiencies, toxicities and climate impacts on the plant. I do this to find the absolute deficiencies within a crop or the pasture I'm working with to see what's coming around the corner, to see if I can forecast any hidden hunger in the crop, um, to better understand what I've done wrong as an agronomist or to understand the toxicities that we're creating within the system, um, certainly to enhance nutrient use efficiencies and therefore lower our input costs on, in particular, mobile nutrients such as nitrogen, um, sulfur and potassium as well, this technology has been rolled out to grow healthy plants. How do we grow a healthy plant that's resilient to pest and disease and lower our overall spend on agri-nutrients? 
Regan Bailey says farmers are using technology and other methods to reduce the use of agri-nutrients, but it's important to understand how this will impact yields. We need to kind of understand what we're putting in. If we're putting in far too much phosphate into these systems, what's the outcome? Are we decreasing our plant supply of copper, zinc, manganese? Are we suppressing biological function? A lot of people now with the price of nutrients and the cost of farming have probably reduced the overuse of a lot of products. They've found massive efficiencies within their application. They're using GPS precision tracking or application. They've been using better quality equipment that meters out fertilizer a lot more effectively. So there's all of these things that they're doing to mitigate the the kind of ever-increased cost that farmers have landed with. Regan Bailey of Soil Matters, and that's our rural news for now. Koyarate Purongo o Tetai Fenua.